Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, everybody. I am George Armistead, and I am here with both my co-hosts, Molly Brown and Alvaro Jaramillo. We are Life List, a birding podcast. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing How are you? Excellent. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> Yeah. What's going on? What's going well, on, everybody? Well, yeah. The uh, I'm I'm slightly furious, actually. I'm sli- <laughs> I'm slightly furious, moderately furious. You're not containing it very well. I know. I, I'm really I'm really a little upset, actually. Um, and uh, I I think I've I think I kind of caused this in, in a very yeah way. yeah. Like okay. I don't blame you, but. It is. Don't shoot the messenger. Yes, you are. You're definitely the messenger, and I'm definitely a little. I'm a little fired up today. I'm a little. I'm a little. Uh, I'm razzed. I'm. I'm upset. Yeah. What are you fired up about, George? Well, this Ebert situation. <laughs> I I was I was holding strong there for Philadelphia three oh five three oh six something like that, and they quote unquote have cleaned the list cleaned they say right so now i'm down to 300 thank god if they knocked me down to 299 i'd be apoplectic (laughs) right now i'd be beside myself um but as it stands i'm at 300 i can live with that but and and mostly i'm okay with what i see here if if uh you pointed out there's the detailed stats for for me to review and that is where the rub is. Um, there's the 54 additional tax. So that's cool, right? You know, you got your crow slash raven spa. You got your short build slash long build dowagers, your cormorant spas. Even got mm-hmm. a porpoise spa in there, Al. You like that? Porpoise. Yeah, I've had those twice in Philly. And then I've got in my eight hybrids. I said porpoise. I'm like, well, that can't be a bird. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen a seal in Philadelphia once. That was pretty badass. Like and you put that on seal? your eBird? No, but Forpus, <laughs> yeah, Forpus is the little tiny parrotlets that we were seeing. You know, like those um, the spectacle parrotlets of Forpus. I've seen That's those twice cool. in Philly. Yeah, but we're they're probably Pacific parrotlets, and those are bona fide escapees, all fine and good. Probably, probably Pacific parrotlets, but I put them down as Forpus spa. But I have been robbed. Of my northern bobwhite from FDR Park, and and that is it's a native bird, right? Perhaps introduced, perhaps shoveled off a truck, whatever. No one, no one can tell me that that is the case for certain. And also, monk parakeet, also an established exotic, and ring-necked pheasant, established exotic. So those three, I'm actually, I'm not cool with that. Like the Muscovy duck, sure, yeah, I get it, man. But like, certainly the Bob White, I should be, able, I should be able to slide on that. And the ring neck pheasant, I mean, I basically saw the last one that was, you know, from from the decades long, you know, presence of them here in Philly. They died out, and I think the last one basically died 20, 2011. But no longer allowed to count. I don't know, man. I don't think that adheres with ABA rules, at least. Well, I guess you could take it up with the local eBird reviewers because they may be able to change things in the filters. And really? 
and say, hey, yeah, you know, um, you know, George is so old that <laughs> they took my pterodactyl as well. They took my pterodactyl. Stuff, yeah. You know? So, you know, and, the, and the, you know, the reviewer is probably, you know, somebody who's much younger than you and you know, didn't even realize, you know, there was, uh, you know, Carolina Parakeet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is where I tell you, Alvaro, that I <laughs> am a reviewer for Philadelphia. So I will take it. With me. I'm going to take it up with me, and uh, and me so, and me are going to have some words. So George, well, you know, Molly and George have been away in Colombia. George's been away a long time in Colombia, so it's almost like you know he's a castaway on an island. You know, like you know, he comes back. He's been unfrozen or whatever, you know, from uh, sleep for 20 years and realizes all of this has changed. Like, What's you know, going on? What's yeah. going on? And I guess to give people a background, what Ebert has done is they have said, okay, you know, we had uh, all of these things that go in your list, but some things are truly wild, you know, birds. Um, others are birds that are, you know, established and common like starlings and so forth and those count so those are naturalized there's some that are provisional i guess it's sort of like they haven't decided yet what to do with them maybe it'll change in a few years and then other things are just you know if you see a you know blue or white colored budgie flying around it's definitely an escapee or a white peacock you know walking around a parking lot um and then there's the additional taxa, which were all sort of the slashes and things and hybrids. So they've separated all this out, which I think is like a lot of work. Oh, my I God. I got to say, like, this is amazing, you know, painstaking work they did. But uh, maybe now the thing is to sort of fine, fine filter some of this stuff mm-hmm. now that we have the bins, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, like maybe these things shouldn't have gone off your list. Although I think it'd be more exciting if they are off your list, you have to work harder to get to where you work. You, sir, are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I mean, I suppose someone will probably, you know, do something about pheasants and bobways. I don't know who knows, but uh, unlikely to pick those up anytime soon. Ever again, the monk parakeet might pick that up. Who knows? Any, did any of you lose anything from your yard lists? Now that is a good question. That's a do good a little, question, uh, isn't it? Yeah. That, I mean, because that's where we're really talking yeah. importance. No, that would be no, that would I'm be not to cool. Out where you find that? Yes, it'd yeah, be bona fide, not cool. Explore and yard totals. I think I'm still in the same, I'm still at the same spot. I don't get, I'm not likely to get much where I'm at exotic wise anyway. um, I got, I got two escapees, yellow fronted canary, European goldfinch from (laughs) my yard, two hybrids. um, And then a whole bunch of additional taxa. All I've got is 15 additional taxa. So. I got the classic Rufus slash Allen's hummingbird, which you don't get to use much over there, I guess. Mm, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I hopefully will never get to use that. You know, we'll just know <laughs> which one it is. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I, I think you hit your reaction was exactly what I've observed. The, like the Chilean bird or some, you know, when some of this was about to happen, we were talking about it when I was in Chile, they called it the February earthquake is coming. 
the shakedown. It's a terremoto de febrero. And it's like, they were all like uh, wondering what, what would happen in the top 100 because it, it was going to shake out some people who had been just counting everything, you know, like mm-hmm. they were just collecting numbers rather than collecting sort of what, or, you know, listing data. wild birds uh, or, or data, you know? So, so they were bloated lists out there. And then those who sometimes even were really diligent and weren't putting in, maybe they weren't, it wasn't diligence, but it was like, you know, uh, I don't know what you call it, but they weren't putting in things that they knew were escapees in their list. I always have, just because I think it's important to have the info. Um, but I was always annoyed that they were showing up on the list, so you sort of had to subtract. Oh, yeah, you know, don't count the European goldfinch. Mm-hmm. But uh, the overall original, the first time you look, everybody was, like, bombed. Yeah. they dropped. Yeah, it feels like a loss. It feels like a loss. It feels like a loss. Like a loss. Yeah. But you don't think of the win is that you actually have a a real clean, you know, better list than you did before. You've improved in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right now, but, yeah, I mean, but people's people's perception or whatever. Yeah, you get you, you know, it's like it's like tax refund or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Just made me look at the calendar <laughs> in a panic when you said tax refund. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to be the top 100 now is not counting escapees, right? Right. That's what I'm. That's what I understand. Like, yeah, the top 100's huh. clean. 100. Um, it'll include anything that's considered naturalized, right? Like, so starlings uh-huh. and, but. Um, but yeah. anything that's kind of borderline, maybe like monk parakeet might be borderline or who knows, or it might be state mm-hmm. by state. Rigneck pheasant, I'm kind of surprised by, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, cause that, you know, obviously non-native and all that, but. Yeah. Uh, um, both of those are not flagged for me in West Virginia. I've, I've got them both hmm. on my list and it's not listed as, huh. or discounted from my total. Interesting. Yeah. Wonder what the criteria. I wonder if it's like if they consulted uh, state records committees or anything like that. I don't know. Hmm. Review lists, maybe. This will you know require. Be interesting here is like what happens to Hawaii. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh. That could be a mess. Yeah. Gonna take a look so, at that. Take a look at Hawaii with the detailed stats. Yeah, that could be ugly. That's weird, actually. There's a ton of them are naturalized. Just, you know, yeah, escapee. What do I have? Mallard. Yeah, you see, I think ringneck pheasant might, like, they're not established really in Pennsylvania anymore. So maybe that has something to do with it. Monk parakeet, you know, they're they're established in some nearby states, but not in Pennsylvania, really. And same with Bob White. Um, So, hmm, curious. Yeah. When when did you get your Bob White record? Let's see. It would have been um, th- three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Now I I you know Bob White is sort of a funny one because I don't really believe that it, like I don't I don't know what to believe but it's I kind of assume it was not genuinely wild bird, mm-hmm. um, but it is a native bird, and 
the thing that's I think awkward about it is that you know just across the river in South Jersey or down in in northern Delaware, you know, which is a stone's throw away, all the Bob White in both of those places are just by default deemed wild birds. So mm. you know why in you know extreme Southeast PA are they you know not not taking a similar stance. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Was your Bob White in a cage at all? <laughs> it, it, it was. Yeah, it was in a cage. No, it was actually there was a photograph. There, I gave them information. <laughs> there were some of the best photos of Bob White I ever got. I will say that. But it was well, that it was, alone. Yeah, that it's alone. a little questionable. Yeah, right. You know, if you saw it well, it's not wild. It's, yeah, you know. Um, although, well, it's just. You know, sorry. Go ahead. No, if you you go to some places where bob whites are pretty common, I remember in some spots in Texas, like you always think of them as being really shy and so on, but then th- they were not in in places where they're mm. um, abundant. Well, I wouldn't call them abundant, but at least relatively frequent. And then they're so shy in places where they're not that frequent, and I, I wonder if it's not they're not that shy. It's just. There's not that many. <laughs> right. Like the key, right. Well, it is amazing. Like um, their decline is just, you know, dramatic um, in the last few decades. And it's a bird I remember, you know, seeing flushing coveys of. I think we've talked about it before on the pod here. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's part of the reason why that one stings me from Philly is because it's like, you know, I was like, this may or may not be a legit bird, but it's going to be the only one I ever see in Philly, you know? Huh. Um, and, um, and like, How I about? think it would be just as hard to prove that it wasn't wild as to make the case that it, you know, that it was. So given that I was inclined to just count it, but, you know, certainly can be argued either way and perhaps more persuasively from the other side. Maybe, maybe it's like an age limit if you are, you know, if you were born before this year, you can count Bob White because they were common at some point in your life. Grandfathered and in. Therefore, mm-hmm. And therefore, you're, you're, you know, you're kind of grandfathered in, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How about that? I like it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it in this context, yeah. It, it sounds dumb, <laughs> but in the, in the realms of listing, right? If you see, like I saw the crested minas in Vancouver, right? They were established population. There were thousands at some point. They extended all the way to the U.S. Um, then they declined and disappeared. So it was like a blip of time they were around where they were countable. So if you saw them in that blip of time, you can count it in theory, right? You don't lose it even though it went extinct. So I could see something as silly as... You know, yeah, well, you know, I saw Bob White's before a certain year, therefore I can count them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or, well, it yeah, used or to be I, that you would lose it. You know, like we actually made yeah. that, we made that change back when I and some others were on that um, recording standards and ethics committee for the ABA. Was it used to be that if the thing went extinct, it was like, okay, it really wasn't established. And then you mm-hmm. would, and then you'd lose it. But we made that change. Yeah. Sort of along like the same lines of California condors, basically like, okay, well, if we wait and decide, you know, if we decide that you can't count these things until they're like firmly established and everything, basically, you know, no one currently living will probably ever be able to count, quote unquote, count California condor on the list. So we made that change. And I think you could make the same case for this little bobwhite incident, which is that, you know, it's more fun to be able to count it. 
you know, and it's really no harm is done. Um, right. And, and that's the key here. Is it's not biology. It's not conservation. It's just bird listing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Can be whatever. And I agree with, I actually agree biologically that if, if you lasted 80 years and then you, you know, were extirpated, you really weren't established. Yeah. Um, from a biological point of view, but from a listing point of view, if, if it got on the list, um, why not? You know, count it during the time it was on the list. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's two different but ways of looking at in that info. condition. That's like with a non-native species to begin with as well. If we're talking about the minus, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, do you know if there have been any uh, reintroduction efforts that were like conservation based in Pennsylvania that were not released as game birds, but actually released to restore the population? Hmm. I can't think I, of I any. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything like that. But I do remember. And I can't remember if I mentioned this before here, but one of the most crazy things was some state politician introduced a bill that would have opened a hunting season on um, red-tailed hawks and great horned owls because they were believed to have an adverse effect on the pheasant population. Uh, which is crazy. First of all, they don't, neither of those birds probably hardly ever eats pheasant to begin with. And pheasants have been going downhill for all, you know, they're just not really supposed to be here and the habitat's not great for them. But second of all, the idea of opening a hunting season on two native birds to try to conserve an introduced one is beyond ridiculous, but thankfully it it didn't get very far. It it got shot down pretty quick. That's not that far off from what happens in the UK though. And, you know, one of the, you know, the, over there, the birders and the hunters are really sort of at opposition in that you have these hunts for like red grouse and, and, you know, other, other game birds where they're in these big hunting estates. And within those estates, nobody goes in there. There's like no, you know, they're sort of private and the local wardens or whatever that are supposed to be caring for the population of these game birds shoot raptors. And they're known to do so and it's not legal. But shooting uh, harriers and and various other things is is uh, something that they they're known to do, and and you're like this is insane, obviously because it's a, such a simplistic way of looking at how an environment you know a, a complex environment works that you know for all it's obviously we want to have raptors, but B it might actually be beneficial to have raptors for those game birds, you know yeah um, yeah who knows. Nobody studies it. It's all this, but they're shooting them. You know? It's crazy, and that's that's in the land of the RSPB. You know, yeah. You just think that would not happen, but it does. <laughs> well, crazy. let me ask you this, guys. Speaking of non-native birds that are free flying at the moment, are you guys, either of you, considering a pilgrimage? To New York to see Flacco the Owl. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the other day if I if I like lived in New York City, would I justify going to see that owl just to see the, like the, the spectacle of everything surrounding it? That's what I was thinking too. I'd kind of I kind of would like to see the people enjoying Flacco as much as I would enjoy seeing Flacco. Uh, himself 
By the way, like great, great name for now. Yeah. yeah, it does. It sounds like it's crazy, but I do. I love isn't, the name. Flacco's like a, isn't he an escaped convict from jail, essentially, uh, you know, criminal that's been killing rats and so forth. Uh, you know, <laughs> or is he sort of more of a Robin Hood? Like, is he more of like a Robin Hood, like uh character who's, you know, who's, okay. who's a do-gooder, who's cleaning up those is, Norway rats around the, the parks right. in New York with, you know, just out of the pure goodness of his heart, you know? <laughs> yeah. But what is, okay. So I know this is, it's, it's this Eurasian Eagle owl that escaped from the zoo and it's running, you know, flying around central park is what I know. Yeah. But, but did but not what, escape. How did, how did it, it didn't, that's what I want to, what's the story? I think it's pretty soundly stated that it was not an escapee, but an intentional release of someone who, who broke in and cut open the enclosure. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Apparently somebody like sliced open the, the enclosure and Flacco said, thank you very much. And, yeah. uh, and went on his merry way. It was pretty interesting actually on our Columbia lifeless tour, which, which Molly and I just got mm-hmm. back from really a few short days ago. And our friend Cameron was on the trip and, uh, and she, her, her dad works with the New York zoos and we were getting like daily updates. She's like, Oh no, Flacco got out. Flacco's on the yeah. loose. And we're like, and we're like, first we're like, who's what, what, yeah, who's, who's this Flacco? You know, like and what were they, what were they doing to him? You know, like what I read was a New York times article that said Flacco did not make the top 10 in the list of top 10 animals to see at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> this is so now now he's like number one yeah. yeah yeah but yeah and then we just kind of kept getting updates as, yeah she she was uh, like yeah. yeah and the last one was it was sort of like she's like uh-oh Flacco's learned to feed himself in the wild like you know it's could could be harder to get him back and then it was like okay we're not you know that that like Cameron was our our, our lifeline for information on Flacco until he got back here and, I, and and realized that it was like a big big story man it's like everywhere yeah so so then you're you're telling me that essentially a group which we might call the FLF the Flacco Liberation Front was uh what <laughs> might have been you know who who might claim responsibility for this you know yeah no i think it is oh, the I, FLF yeah 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 i i was trying to see if i could come up with a group that was the FLY but you mm-hmm. know it could could Take a little more work, anything, yeah. You know, a little more work. Tough to Why do. On the, tough tough to do on the fly, Al. Yeah. Mm. On the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and I and flaco means skinny in Spanish, so that suggests to me the zoo might have not been feeding him enough. I was going to say, and Flacco looks pretty robust <laughs> to me. He doesn't look like yeah, you know. He doesn't look like he's, he's trimmed down at all. At least maybe he had to be Flacco to get out the. Uh, yeah. You know, when he got out of the exclosure, he had to be a little Flacco, yeah. but. Since then, I mean, the photos I've been seeing, he doesn't look like he's hurting too much. And I posted a, I thought it was going to be more funny than anything, you know, on Facebook. (laughs) It's never funny on Facebook. It's never funny. People started getting, you know, crazy, you know, like uh, just, you know, accusing folks of, of, of being stupid and not understanding how the environment works and, People saying that this one bird was going to pollute the gene pool of all of great horned owls in the entire <laughs> earth, 
And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, the reality is that this, the effect biologically this will have will probably be contained to Central Park, which is among, you know, it's a great birding spot, but it's not really what I would call a pristine, a, uh, you pristine know, treasure mosaic of, you know, of habitats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Um, yeah, he's basically on an island. You know, I mean, yeah. well, he's literally yeah. on an island, but he's also basically yeah. on an island of habitat. Yeah. yeah. And, and and just because something is not native doesn't mean that it's invasive unless it right. has the capability of right. becoming invasive for whatever reason, which is not the case here. Right. Yeah, he's not yeah. likely to clone himself. I know. And I, I doubt it would even mate with a great horned owl, you know, just because they're pretty different. Honestly, that would be really cool if it did (laughs) that, like that that would be so cool if that actually happened that like that would be, that would make this whole story much, much more interesting. I think you're, now you're going to get the angry letters now. Oh yeah. Bring them on. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I love the passion. I love the the passion. Facebook thing. Yeah. The hybrids and this and that and the pollution of the, the low, you know, and they're, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The humaniacs as we call them, the humaniacs. <laughs> but uh, I gather there was also like a, the, the Flacco Liberation Front did not end, uh, you know, in its liberation of, well, actually. Yeah. I, you know, what, I don't think happened. the fight was just given up to recapture Flacco because of the difficulty. I think that there was a human element that was starting to make that seem impossible. Oh, really? What I'm like gathering from 24 way, way hour from vigils, there. <laughs> you know, of like, let yeah. Flacco be free kind of thing. And, the F the FLF is tireless. Yeah. Yeah. And seems like it. You know, I I do I do think it's interesting though, it you know brings the uh the question of zoos and the value of zoos and captive animals. And I think uh we've come a long way, but the 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 really good work that zoos do and the vital work that zoos do is still kind of shrouded in entertainment value, you know, for mm-hmm. people. Or, or it's, um, and I think some folks just say like, okay, is this necessary to have this, you know, this animal, that animal, like, what are you really getting other than people are seeing it? Right. And they're understanding a little bit more about it. Although some zoos don't do, some zoos do a really great educational component. Some don't, you know, so I, I think it, there's part of that question is probably coming in here, you know, um, and and it it you know I mean I I've seen killer whales in captivity when I was a kid and you know in Argentina um, they had them over there I, I remember seeing a boat once bringing in a a killer whale from the ocean to wow. this this Mundo Marino place you know that's hmm. a, um, in Ar- Argentina you've probably seen it George in Punta Rasa yes and yeah. and just to see all that and go oh whoa, you know, like this is basically yeah, imprisonment. You know, yeah. 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 It's uh, it, it didn't. And yeah. So uh, there's some animals where we can relate to that in one way versus gosh, you know, it, you have a, a bunch of, I don't know, squirrels in an exhibit, let's say, I mean, they seem mm-hmm. to be having a good time or yeah. cats or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and some of the herps, and there's all sorts of stuff that can do just fine. And, but then, yeah, yeah, like orca in a little tank that's been removed from the wild is quite a different thing than, 
yeah. than many other things. Yeah. I, I I remember too, like you know, I the the zoos as a kid, you know, they just make such a massive impression on you, especially if you are you know yeah. predisposed to being a nature nerd like all of us. And I still remember vividly seeing the cats. You know, I've always been fascinated by cats and seeing what was essentially just a prison. Um, for cats, these big cats, like black panthers, you know, um, black leopards. And they were I just was thinking of the exact, I'm so sorry, the exact yeah. same scenario in my head and just thinking of a black leopard pacing back and forth. Yes. Yeah. And like, that's what I remember is basically just, it just, and, and at the time it just looked terrifying and beautiful all at once. But you think basically this thing has been driven mad, you know, it's just, it's just been driven mad and it's, mm-hmm. I, you know, seeing what the zoos are, a lot of zoos now are doing is amazing and wonderful. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and I do think there is real value in, you know, like we're, we've talked about before, if you can't, if people can't see it, it's hard for them to care a lot of the time. And, and just being in the presence of some of these animals can be pretty life changing, but it is a delicate balance and yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here, the Monterey Bay, you know, aquarium, for example, has it's, it, you know, I wouldn't call it a zoo, but, you know, it's got captive animals of various kinds, fish and all sorts of marine uh, critters, you know, no, no whales or anything. But the amount of work that they do on research, conservation, education, and the fact that they focus just on the, the critters that are in here, like in the California mainly Monterey Bay, it's like a way to actually see the bay that you don't have access to. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really a creative way to do it, Um, you know, rather than having, you know, all sorts of tropical fish that you can look at, you know, kind of, it, it, it's a, so some places really do it well and actually, and are really dedicated to the conservation and research aspect of this. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not knocking zoos, but I'm trying to think of the the mentality maybe of some of those folks who are like opposed to having it be brought back to the zoo, right? Yeah, yeah. They're seeing like, you know, it's just this one owl, and it's like let it just fly free, and kind of like that's kind of cool. Others who are saying absolutely not, you know, it wasn't cool when the first starling arrived here, and you know, look what happened, you know. Yeah. So I can see both sides, but it's only one owl. It's not yeah. fifteen. I see uh first off, just the the public like or parts of the public promoting the precedent that you can cut an animal free and that's okay, I think really sucks. Like that's the part that gets me pretty fired up about this. It's yeah. just that's a slippery slope right that. there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that zoos I guess I kind of see two parts to it that they're one using their opportunity to promote research and conservation and, and studying species in a way that um, they otherwise couldn't. And then second, educating the public on that and allowing the public to see like the why and the purpose that makes it possible. So I, I don't envy anyone who's working in the New York city zoos right now and is figuring out how to deal with this, but I do think it's an opportunity for education and to continue sharing all sorts of aspects of why the owl's there in the first place and what the situation mm-hmm. is. It sort of reminded yeah. me of um, 
Molly, when we were down in Columbia, we learned about the hippos, <laughs> the hippos in Columbia, which is, you know, some people it know is. about this, but hippos a lot of people are from Africa, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, some people are probably hearing Here me <laughs> saying hippos in Columbia and like, what is he talking about? Um, but I'm sure a lot of folks know too, that, uh, the infamous Pablo Escobar had some pet, um, hippos in his place i forget where the spot is exactly uh it was not in medellin it was kind of it was out outside of medellin mm-hmm. ways but um wasn't it his ranch that had the airplane kind yeah of like on the yeah i don't remember where you know that what is I mean? like the entrance and it's got like an airplane stuck to it or something i don't know yeah no you haven't sure. seen that image i don't think so no uh, okay well, yeah. it's, it's like an iconic image of the entrance to his ranch. Huh. Um, he's got, it was like a big gate or something or, you know, facade, but there's a small little Piper plane Piper jet. that's actually Piper plane. glued on the, uh, onto the, the thing. Hmm. You know, like crazy. <laughs> you know, just talk about, you know, people who can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, they, they, the, the reaction, Al, is not what Molly and I were hearing about was not so different really from what, uh, what you're talking about, um, with Flacco. Um, because basically people, you know, well-intentioned people, um, want to like save the hippos without realizing that these things are enormous and proliferating quickly. Like, I think there's triple digits now. Um, (laughs) And they're like destroying the habitat around there. And the only way to, you know, to deal with this is to go in there and, you know, to shoot them basically. Lions, right? Bringing lions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mongoose. Mongoose. You know, that always works. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if you brought lions, you know, they're lonely. So you want to bring in some other big things like, uh, you know, rhinos and then bring in mm-hmm. some elephants and then lions. You're talking sense. Big yeah. animals like big friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They make, if you watch cartoons, you'll know the big animals like to hang out with other big animals. Yeah. <laughs> and lonely lions. Huh? Yeah. It's like, it's the only social cat basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there is a, a missed opportunity though in, in the in the Flacco story, and well, I don't know about the hippos, but at least in Flacco, in none of the none of the the newspapers or news you know outlets have been talking about what it is to be native versus yes. a non-native critter, right? Like how why it matters. It's it's more like look at this, you know, the owl's free, people love them, you know, whatever. Right, and that's the totally missed opportunity here because the average person doesn't know really what wild stuff means right versus if it's flying wild and free they figure that's a wild animal you know wild bird they don't realize that there's more to it than that we haven't done a good enough um job at explaining you know, the problems with non-native creatures and yeah. what they do. Agreed. They could be a little more curious mm-hmm. too, however. But I think uh, it's, I can't tell you how many people I know, you know, that I consider pretty well educated folks that when the conversation turns to cats, feral 
cats, outdoor cats. They say, well, they're natural predators. They're natural predators. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, they're not natural predators here, you know, like, um, but people, they just think, well, they're, you know, that's, they're doing what they're supposed to do. I'm like, no, that's not the way this works. Yeah. They are doing what they're supposed to do, but they're just doing Yeah, like on an individual level, yeah. 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 (laughs) And then. Uh, You know, talking about like, it's not escapees, but this whole idea of, uh, you know, the the press not sometimes being curious. I, I saw this thing that came out of, it was in a newspaper, you know, at least the online version in the UK of a flightless cormorant that was seen in one of the, in some channel somewhere in some place in the UK. And it it's, there's photos of it. It's a common, great cormorant, like the standard, the cormorant, you know, mm-hmm. it's just Shag. swimming around the channel. Yeah. It, you know, it's uh, well, actually, the, you know, great cormorant. Oh, it's a great cormorant. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's a great cormorant. And, um, and some person saw it and said, this is a, Galapagos flightless cormorant. Oh my God! Phones a newspaper, I guess. And the they are big. Flightless cormorants me. are big. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they they made a whole story about like you know what's it doing here and how did it get here and what's happening and and it, it's obviously not flightless cormorant. <laughs> and there's great photos of it. You know, it's just amazing that they would even bother writing something up without double checking anything. It's yeah. just, you know, but, um, that, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's going to be an S ex- you know, maybe they're working diligently at the New York times to, to really suss out the entire Flacco story. And we're going to get a big, we're going to get a, t- a textured, um, yeah. you know, interpretation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well- not to burst that bubble, but like, I did read a New York Times <laughs> article on this that came out just a few days ago that was talking about oh, wow. just the spectacle of people, uh, like out looking at the owl, which just and like that was it. That was basically what I said. Culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just amazes me. Just the it's really fascinating to me that you like yeah. just have such a following of like there. There were also photos of like the resident great horned owls, and I was like, man, we don't have that in these parts. Um, but yeah, yeah, just completely talking about. Ducks. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was very one-sided. Like there was no additional viewpoint of questioning if the owl shouldn't be out there. Um, like just no, no take of curiosity at all to just kind of look at other sides of the situation. And I was like, man, I don't know if that's the end of it or not, but yeah, they, and they, they, like to your point earlier, Molly, is that they, they do the article I'm looking at now says that this was the fourth zoo crime of the year. So that, you know, there was Mm. three other things. I don't know what they were that would have been turned loose by, um, quote unquote, do-gooders, um, or vandals, depending on your perspective. Uh, I think most of us would probably consider them vandals. If you're, if you're turning an animal loose in a landscape where it's not native, you're maybe doing it more harm than good much of the time. Um, yeah. And you're doing harm to all sorts of other animals. Yeah. Even if it's one individual, Mm -hmm. there is some effect. Um, but can we agree on one thing? We can agree that if Flacco can make it there. Flacco can make it anywhere. You know, can we agree on that? 
I see one tweet here that says Pete Davidson was seen out to dinner with Flacco, the owl who escaped from the Central Park Zoo. So, so you know, Flacco's keeping pretty good company out there, it looks like. I know. I mean, if Flacco makes it to Saturday Night Live, that'd be pretty interesting. You know? That'd be that'd be impressive, yeah. Flacco's yeah. doing a good job of networking, I think. Flacco's yeah. planned for this moment for a long time. I can't believe he doesn't have a Twitter account yet. you get, you got to figure somebody that would start up a Twitter <laughs> yeah. account for Flacco. Yeah, is he is Flacco going to last longer than you know Liz Truss, the uh, UK Prime Minister? <laughs> after two months, it's, he'll, have a, he'll have a longer career, longer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I might longer. actually put a head of lettuce out and say, "That's true." Who's, who's going to outlast you know Flacco or the head of lettuce? I'm yeah. sure there's McDonald <laughs> cheeseburgers lying around in places that'll that'll outlive. Yeah, yeah. That's that's um, impressive. There, yeah, what happens if that – that's another aspect of this, right? Let's say Flacco is found, um, you know, run over or just dead from poisoning, uh, rat poison or something, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, and there you go. Um, was that worth the – Free. The vandalism to get him free, you know, in a – Right. I don't know. Well, I, the, and if he lasts 20 years, what does that mean, you know? Right. If he's found dead due to rat poisoning pretty quickly, you'd think the the people that are responsible for his, you know, for for cutting him loose, so to speak, um, I suspect they would not take any responsibility for that. But uh, as a friend of mine likes to say, you can't factor out what wasn't factored in. So, hmm, hmm. let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Boy, we've two very, very heavy topics. I'll say Ebird, the the February earthquake of the Ebert. theft, the theft of my Bob White, mm-hmm. the theft of your yeah, the Flacco and his you know Liberation Front and yeah, and, uh, fans and detractors and you know I mean the world is certainly. Um, Divvying up the pro Flacco, anti Flacco people. It's like it's, really, yeah. You know, these are wild times. Uh, they really are wild times, and yeah. it's uh, it's it's probably uniting a lot of New Yorkers around the bird, though. Which is, you know, New York is a little <laughs> odd about some of these things. It's funny. I I was wondering if there is an element of that of like the New York, um, you know, everybody goes there. Everybody, you know. People live there for generations. Others that come in there to do their thing, and they're from elsewhere. And you're kind of brought into this melting pot of people or whatever. That somehow it's the best place for Flacco to be. Like if Flacco was, I don't know, in Yosemite or something, you know, people would be like, "Get him out!" Like, right? Like <laughs> polluting the landscape. You know, he's like uh, doesn't belong, and uh, he'd be gone pretty soon. I wonder if that's also part of it. You but in New York, he kind of fits in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like, it, like you're always going to find someone to support mm-hmm. right. anything. In New York. Yeah. 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 And, Boy, and I can feel the letters, like, the letters are coming in. You guys are really you're stoking <laughs> the fires. Right. People might just sort of say, Hey, look, you know, I wasn't born here either. And I live here and I like it. So does Flacco, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause uh, <sighs> it's, a, it's a little different, you know, than, than, you know, Philly, George, you know, people. Yeah, no, people have sense down here. They, you know, people 
people move out of Philly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's people that lack common sense too. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be here, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good riddance. Mm-hmm. That's right. So long, suckers. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot of that in my town. It's basically like you got something to complain about, leave. Yeah. It's nice small town attitude here. The ultimate nimbies. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, I wanted to pivot to. Asking Molly Brown about two things. Mm-hmm. Two things. One is that, and we should start with the, I don't want to bury the lead here, Molly. That <laughs> I think you, you have some news that I think even Alvaro does not know. But yep. that you revealed, revealed to us on our, our lifeless trip in Columbia that I think folks would love for you to share if you're open to that. And now that I've put you on the spot, maybe, uh, maybe uh, you'd be willing to. Yeah. Well, a couple exciting things are happening in my life. First off, I got engaged. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the big news. Right. Yeah. Boom. Congrats. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. That's so awesome. So happy for you Thank guys. Thank you very much. What yeah. better way to announce it than on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So uh, I, I can kind of talk through our, our plan for engagement. So we've talked about getting married for a while. Um, and as I've also mentioned a few times, we've talked about building a house or been attempting to build mm-hmm. a house yeah, for this is the other one. Uh, I wanted, I wanted a year to, and a half. I'm eager to hear about yeah. this one. Yeah. Uh, long story short, it's, it's a pain in the ass to build a house right now. Um, (laughs) and we're just not making a lot of progress. So something that we had, uh, wanted to do at some point in the future was have like a second spot on our property that was a sort of like studio guest house, maybe Airbnb type thing. Um, so we, we just pivoted and decided we would run with that and we bought a tiny house that's that's on order so it'll be a few months before we actually get it it'll it'll come this summer um so yeah then we decided well i guess we have a a house in some iteration now <laughs> so we got engaged too wow. um right yeah new house so, all sorts and, of good things and engagement that's that's that doesn't get much bigger than that yeah so- <laughs> I, yeah, you're doing it all at one time, like just like sort of like the whole package, you know. Yeah, yeah kind of. And they weren't immediately together, but yeah, it's it's been an exciting couple of weeks. <laughs> That's so cool. And and what is the actual definition of a a tiny house? Like what what makes it? See, I'm like, fascinated. They, I, I look at all these things on Instagram all the time, and so like when you told me that you were guys were looking at this, I was like, oh no way! I'm like so fascinated by tiny houses. Yeah. They're so cool. Yeah. Uh, well. The the square footage of the house that we're getting is actually um what is it five hundred fifty square feet so I could see it being argued that that's not a tiny house I mean by uh, you know houses are big because everything's cheap and there's a lot of space around here um so there aren't many like apartments and that type thing but I I know that I know a lot of people who live in very small spaces yeah in New York um, that in, would be uh, again in New York that yeah. would be, that'd be a good amount of space yeah like I, yeah. I lived in a 700 square foot condo for quite a while and so yeah for for me alone that was plenty of space but Mm-hmm. much more than that yeah well not to mention we're putting it on 40 acres so mm-hmm. if we don't have interior space we've got plenty of space outside to yeah. play around but uh the and we hadn't actually planned on buying something we had thought we would build something ourselves um 
And we just happened to find a company that had them available and, and ran with it. But the actual definition of this one, it's um, on a trailer. So it's called um, a park model. So it's like built into a, a flatbed trailer. It's 12 feet wide. So it's a you have to like have special permits, I think, to drive them. And we're, we're meaning for it to be permanent. But um, or, or be semi permanent anyway, but it will stay on the trailer. So we're going to kind of build a foundation around it. It's got like your regular water electric hookups. Uh, and we purchased it from a company that has it like ready to move in when they deliver it. So it's literally hook it up and you've got it. Um, That's a wild so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like. And honestly, I I really liked the layout. I think we've got plenty of storage. Like we don't have a lot of things anyway. Did you um, say it's got like a little bit of a deck or like a little bit of an outdoor space that's up high? Yeah, yeah. It came. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's a loft inside, and then it came with a twelve by ten foot deck as like part of it. So that's in addition to the this interior square footage. Okay. So yeah, we've got a spot picked out, and we're gonna build an, a second deck down below and terrace it a that's little gonna, bit. That's going to help um, the yard listing a little bit there too. That'll be it. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we marched right out to the property and had a very serious discussion on what way we wanted the windows to face and like how that <laughs> would work for what we could see and, and whatnot. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, but yep. Are, are, uh, are they fully like, you know, winterized and the whole deal yeah. with like, it, it, it's, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I don't know enough about them, you know, to. Well, I mean, I think they run the full gamut, but yeah, what we bought is insulated um, and, and entirely ready to live in. They're they're made in Pennsylvania. Um, Great state. And meant to be, yeah, and meant to be year round home. So, yep. And it's a, it's oh, wow. like a log cabin style. It's pine. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. There's here, there's, there's been a real push for, you know, uh, changing the laws to allow people have sort of that units in the backyard kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, and, and, uh, to, especially to help with the problem of it, nobody can afford a place to live in, in lots of parts of California, coastal California. And it's interesting that multiple different models of different ways of doing this have happened. And there's also a little small lots that, show up in our town sometimes and you see these little skinny little houses, which I always figure out oh, that must be kind of considered a tiny house or whatever, because it fits into this really narrow lot. And they are apparently incredibly efficient in space use. So it's like, but I've never been inside one. So I don't, you know, don't know what, what it's like. And, you know, hopefully we'll have more little houses popping up here in California as in the next few years, because there's a huge problem with yeah. yeah lack of places to live. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm super excited about this, and we we do still plan on building a house, which uh, is like 1,400 square feet. Like it's a small house that we have planned to build as well. Um, so we'll still work on that. We just don't have the pressure to do it to get out to our property quickly. Now we can take our time and be more hands-on with it if we're already living out there in another space. But yeah, I am so excited. I I really like having a small space. We live in a fairly small space now and I just like not feeling like I need to fill every void with stuff. So uh, that's not like, it's not the same sort of 
space limitation here that it mm-hmm. is in like you're talking about Alvaro, but uh, I'm I'm super excited to yeah. have a little sliver of that. So have you considered making a pond in the backyard and then introducing hippos just, uh, just as a consideration? <laughs> you know, we are building a pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great idea to stock it with hippos. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, do you, I, I would say bring the pygmy hippos. They're smaller. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a little. Good advice. And they like forests. They like forests. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Nice. I'm totally pulling for Flacco to find a great horned owl mate now I, I love that concept i hope that that happens oh i don't know gonna get <laughs> chaos gonna get, yeah chaos that's right <laughs> there might be people who are trying to make that happen <laughs> yeah. yeah playing playing voices of a great horned owl near flaco so that you know attract oh mate. al just you mm, you are a mischief maker my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but in, in all of this introduction of stuff, you know, we, we have this concept of, of what is good for the environment, not et cetera. Yet there are thousands, millions of stocked fish that are introduced to all sorts of lakes all over Canada and U S some of them non-native, some of them not from those lakes originally. And I always think about how we've done that behind the scenes where nobody's sort of thinking about what the original ecological with, with the trout was. in South America. It's like, it's like yeah, yeah. It's basically a lot of those places have hardly any native fish left. Like, yeah. yeah. But even, you know, a lot of most lakes in Ontario, they're, they're stocked. I mean, everything is stocked with, you know, it's whether it's, you know, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, um, some of those things are obviously native, but they're they're kept going at numbers that are probably beyond what's normal. But uh, there's money to be made in fishing, so mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I feel like catfish will outsurvive mm-hmm. everything. It's like yeah, those things crazy. They get huge sometimes too. Yeah, yeah. They do. Catfish. <laughs> Delicious as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, I, uh, I thought about that in Colombia as I was ordering trout on a regular basis to eat, which I love the way they make fish in Colombia. It's so I good. Know. I'm like, am I helping by, you know, eating a, a tiny dent in the population or am I spurring demand to continue it? And it's so like, ingrained down there now. So, I mean, I think, aren't those yeah. a lot of those trout though, they're, they're in farms, you know, like breeding facilities or basically these ponds where they run water through them, but the fish aren't actually swimming around in, in the streams. I think that is true, mm-hmm. but I think prior to having those, right, there were pretty widespread introductions is my understanding mm-hmm. um, in a lot of places, yeah, but I don't have a, I don't have a firm knowledge. Chili, everything, yeah. including salmon, of course. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. we uh, we're getting close to our time here, guys. Um, what? Yeah. One thing I wanted to know, um, Al, is where you been and where you going? You know, I 
I don't even remember the last time we talked because you guys were away. I was away, but I was it's in been a while. Chile again in in January. Did a trip and saw actually saw a couple of species I hadn't seen before in Chile. Hmm. So that was Get some cool. Chile birds. Yeah. Yellow crown night heron. I don't know if I mentioned that before. And a provisional great tailed grackle. So hmm. Ebert's probably gonna <laughs> strike those down. Yeah. I'm gonna strike those down. And um I've been working <laughs> on tours and other things here, and I don't go on a tour until April when I go to Bhutan via Man. Um Thailand. So that I'm sounds to that. just fine. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. You, yeah. But otherwise, I've been here thinking of a lot about weather because the weather has been crazy in California. Yeah, and we've gone from the worst drought ever to the biggest snowpack ever to record cold right now. Yeah, I got a friend in Southern California who's from Philly originally, and he's always bragging about the weather. And I'm like, dude, you've had more snow than we have this year. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's a little crazy. And there's this, um, so the setup, which is like the night, you know how like weather people love to set up the nightmare scenarios is mm-hmm. there. It's packed with snow all over the place, anywhere higher than, I don't know, 2000 feet or thousand, whatever it is, depending on where you are. And it's possible that midway through March, we're going to get big, warm storms that the same kind of, um, you know, pineapple express thing that, that we had earlier in the year, just basically water, warm water gushing into the state. And if that water hits all of that snow, you could get a hundred year flood situation in the entire sort of Northern central Valley where it seems, oh yeah, that's never going to happen, but it actually has happened in the past. So so people are like, this looks a little bit like that, you know, 1990, whatever flood, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess, I guess uh, that's the, the worry or, you know, what, what, what'll happen with this, um, this weather that's going to come up uh, and it's still just modeled, right. You know, it's, it's far enough out that it, people don't know if it will happen. Right. The mm-hmm. models all show that it could. So Jeez. it's not over, you know, March, March is always kind of the a fickle month. It's a fickle yeah, that's month. the month. Yeah. That's the one where it gets warm and everything. Hey, it's spring. Then you suddenly got walloped by snow or something in Ontario. I remember the same thing. So yeah. Evil March. Yeah. It is. It is yeah. very fickle. Yeah. March and November. They're like the two months that are. <laughs> You want to travel somewhere, leave those months, go somewhere else. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. George, what are you up to? Yeah. I leave in a week for Tanzania for three weeks. Wow. Yeah. So Serengeti in Gorogoro Crater, Tarangiri National Park, uh, some mm-hmm. stuff around Arusha. Uh, we fly in there to Kilimanjaro. So, um, I expect, you know, with my, my social media posts to be get, to get like a lot of like Toto Africa references, um, you know, um, 
the Reigns of Africa song, I'm sure, is going to is gonna pop up a lot in my social media feed. I do love that song, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, it never gets old, right? No, it's such a great song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic forever. Uh, so, no, I'm super, super excited about it. Um, it's been a trip that's been a long time coming. We got some great folks and friends coming. So, uh, yeah, we're doing the mobile tented camps out in the Serengeti where you're right there with the migration. Um, and um, it should be downright spectacular. Uh, it's one of my favorite trips I've ever done. So I'm really, really excited to get back there and do it again. And uh, so that'll be fantastic, I certainly hope. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel like I just got home from our trip. Like, how, how are you recovering mm-hmm. from Columbia? Well, Mal- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I'm doing okay. I know I'm I'm settled in. I'm not traveling that much in March. Uh so it I, I feel okay knowing I have time to, you know, catch up on things and get back in a rhythm and whatnot. And then uh I've got a road trip coming up in April. Going to a wedding in uh Key West. Oh wow. Road tripping down, gonna catch a lot of migration and and exciting southern florida birds too. yeah that's so, a good time of year looking to be, forward yeah. to that yeah that'll be a great time of year Perfect to be down there for a wedding there yeah yep. <laughs> somebody was thinking with one, their noggin yeah yeah that's right the one bird you don't want to look for there is key west quail dove by the way it's like just don't don't bother they're not there oh yeah it is a <laughs> very questionable named bird but a great looking bird <laughs> great yeah but i i mean i do wonder if it's occurred more than once yeah <laughs> yeah puerto rico is a good spot for him but yeah yeah cuba yeah well um i did want to tell folks especially my my friends here in pennsylvania that i hope i will see them at the pennsylvania society of ornithology conference that is coming up in may i'll be the keynote speaker there the 20th of may and i am re- i am revamping my talk, Pornithology, the Birds and the Birds and the Bees. So uh, any listeners that have sort of some, uh, you know, naughty habits of of birds that you want to share, I, I could use examples. Uh, I've, I've been collecting them for some years, so I have some, but especially anything new that's come out about... Um, yeah, uh, naughty and nasty, crazy behavior in breeding birds. Would love to hear it because uh, I am. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna retool this talk a bit, uh, and I'm looking I, forward to giving that. Um, I would suggest you, you 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 actually don't give this talk and instead give, you know, the distribution and historical abundance of uh, <laughs> northern bobway in the Philly region uh, a personal account. <laughs> it would be it would be the mm-hmm. better talk, and I see you there getting angry and shaking your fist, showing mm-hmm. a picture of the eBird output. You know, <laughs> going like, "Who did you, this?" You always have such great advice, Al, bro. I really appreciate it. Really, you. I, <laughs> I know a lot of. I don't know why people don't listen to me. I know, I really don't. <laughs> yeah, but but I've seen your talk the pornithology talk way back and it was funny and interesting and lots of good biology just, and, and just this marvel of what is out there in the bird world. You know, birds like, do weird stuff. Right? Birds do birds weird, do weird, stuff. weird, wild yeah. stuff. Yeah. I know. 
Yeah. And I was going to say too, Al, that uh, folks should definitely take a look at your goal videos that you've produced of late. Um, mm. Those are really, really great. Um, Thanks. I, I gave my goal talk a couple nights ago and I always tell people I am not a goal expert, but I am a serious goal enthusiast. You are actually a goal expert. And uh, I always learn a lot from those. I, I really know. appreciate them. I, very cool. Uh, I never feel very expert. I just, I feel like I paid a lot of attention over time, but I always, you know, come away from a golf lock shaking my head just like everybody else. They're tough. But, yeah. uh, but they can be fun. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. That's the main thing, I think. Yeah. That's, that's what I like. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily want to know the actual answer. I don't need to, but the process of thinking about what could be going on, hybrids or this or that, or I like that. Mm-hmm. Not knowing sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's that was one of my keys. I said basically, you know, the the secrets really. There's no real secrets. It's like time. Know the re- know your normies, as I say. Know your regulars, and like accept and embrace uncertainty, um, and also realize at the same time that actually most of the ones you do see are identifiable, um, and don't mm-hmm. so don't don't despair. Um, those don't were despair. kind of the main uh, main points I tried to hammer home. But yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, we ought to scoot. But um thanks everybody for listening and uh appreciate all the notes. We are we did record a lot while we were down in Colombia. So Molly and I have some stuff coming out um that will that you I hope you'll be looking forward to. Uh interview with Jennifer Ackerman, an interview with Chris Bell, and then sort of a roundtable discussion that we did with Nate Swick from the ABA podcast and Chris Bell from the Birders Show. So those are all coming up in the not too distant future. And uh yeah, we'll sprinkle those in with our with our other uh normal episodes here. Uh, but thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks to Koa Sporting Optics for sponsoring us. And we look forward to being back with you soon. Take care, guys. See you next time.